Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. To bring the word today, we have Dave Prince. So Dave's at Living... If you don't know Dave, he is um, the pastor over at Living Word. And uh, so he still is over there. So we're thankful for that. And so, so we're thankful to have him today. So let's pray for him. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for Dave. Lord, we thank you for the leadership you have you have given us through him. And Lord, the blessing he has been to this church, Lord, and how he was trusted you to even send us out, Lord. And we um, we pray today that you would bring your word to us through him, Lord. Um, that you would just equip him, Lord, how he needs, guide him, Lord, with his words, and open our ears to hear what he has to say. And um, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. It's good to see you. I've seen, uh, I'm used to some of your faces, the Davises are here visiting, make sure you're nice to them today, and um, uh, it's good to be here, it's good to be here, it's my third time preaching this message, so if it's not good by now, I'm not sure if it's ever going to get there, but it's a message that I am just personally very stirred about, because it addresses so many things about our Christian faith. I hope that you've been enjoying this series on the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom message, the kingdom mentality, an understanding of the kingdom is vital to victorious Christian living. And while we love the gospel, we love the church, and we love so many things, when we look at the kingdom as a whole, a lot of those pieces come together for us. And we understand that we're not just people that are living and barely escaping sin, but we're a part of a kingdom that cannot be defeated, an eternal kingdom. An eternal past and an eternal future. A victorious kingdom. A kingdom that says, our king has been and is victorious. He reigns today. He's seated at the throne of God. Scripture says that we're seated with him in heavenly places. There is a victory that comes in the kingdom. I love the testimonies that came out today. Testifying to the fact that God is in control. God is able And in the midst of so many difficult things in the world we live in, while it's fantastic to hear testimonies of healing, we know that there are still the sick among us. While we just exalt the Lord for forgiving us of our sin, we still know that we grapple with the stuff of this earth, with the sin that God's not pleased with. And so today's message is designed just to address some of that the victory we have in Christ, and yet the yearning for more, for for all that God has. Today's message is about how God's kingdom is both now and not yet. That's a phrase theologians use to describe what we understand the kingdom to be. It is here now, and yet it's not here in its fullness. So let's pray, and I'm going to walk us through some scriptures, and I trust that by the end of this, we are going to be really stirred to believe God for great things in our day. Father, we thank you for this time together. God, I pray that as we go through your word, your word will go through us. God, that we would be people of faith, that we would be people of understanding, that we would be people of your spirit. God, I pray you'd help me today as I endeavor just to communicate these precious things. Pray this in your name. Amen. Anyone here engaged? There's no one here. Yeah? All right. Nice. Engagement is this phenomenal time. I remember when I was engaged, it was 
I had a short engagement, and I just, I don't know how long your engagement is, but I mean, cut it in half. a girl, okay, wonderful. Is that guy sitting next to you, the guy you're engaged to? Okay, because he's really quiet right now. <laughs> engagement is this incredible time where it's filled with anticipation and the real, some of the very real realities of marriage. I mean, when I, when I realized this is the one, and I was like, yes, something in my heart gave way. This is, this, this will be my wife. And I could, I, I could love her fully and I could, I could really anticipate everything. I could put my guard down and I could, I experienced the companionship and, and the hope of long-term companionship that I dreamed about, that I really wanted. And yet engagement is not a time where you realize the full blessings of marriage. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, obviously, the, the whole sexual aspect of marriage is not yet fulfilled. That's why they call it, you know, the, you can consummate the marriage. It's talking about, you know, finish the deed. So it's, it's part, but it's not everything. You're not quite living together. All, everything's not quite there, but you're living in this joy, in this fullness, in part. Now, engagement's not a perfect metaphor for the kingdom of God, but it does paint the picture that the phase we are in now, the time between Christ's victory on the cross and his, his imminent return, we are in a time of both waiting and participation. We long for the day when he will make all things right. But today, even in this phase, the church age, this time, we live in a time when the realities of the age to come are ours now, in part. Let me just read a couple of scriptures that will help us see that, where Jesus himself talks about two ages of the kingdom. Luke 18, verse 29. I'm going to bring quite a few scriptures, so you might want to just keep that book handy. That book we call the Bible. And if uh, they're going to try to project those, they're going to have to have nimble fingers on that keyboard. Luke 18, 29. Jesus says, truly, I say, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters, parents or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus is talking about the sacrifice that comes along with the kingdom of God. He's like, hey, let me guarantee you this, that anybody that sacrifices for the kingdom of God, man, you will be repaid many times. Trust me, the blessing you receive will far outweigh the sacrifice that you give. He's doing a couple things. First of all, he's acknowledging there will be sacrifice. The kingdom of God is not about pleasing yourself. The kingdom of God is about laying down your life to honor God. And in that, God will honor and bless you. But the priority of the kingdom is sacrifice. It's not about you. It's not about our pleasures. It's not about our comfort. can't imagine a soldier in the kingdom of a king being like, I don't really want to go out to war today. (laughs) That's what you're here for! So the sacrifice, but he, he, issues, he talks about this issue of this age and the age to come. Ephesians, Ephesians is a great, great passage in Ephesians 1, chapter 18. Excuse me, chapter 1, verse 18. Just a tremendous passage. And we, we know this. I, I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See, that's where that comes from. 
we're singing that prayer of Paul. He's longing for us to, to say, Lord, open our eyes. And what is it that he, that he wants us to see? This is so great. That our hearts might be enlightened in order that we might know the hope to which he's called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance. The incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this age, but also where? In the age to come. You see, Jesus talks about how we live between these ages. There is a reality of this age, and there is a reality of the age to come. This life is not all that there is. In this life, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But it's not all there is. And the hope and the riches and the inheritance and the power that Jesus has, the king in the kingdom, on his throne, he exerts not only in the age to come, but he exerts in this present, as Galatians says, evil age as well. Many people get frustrated because like, why isn't God doing everything he said? Why isn't life perfect? Where's my utopia? I thought I'd give my life to Christ and all these promises, my life would be perfect. There will be a day. But in this age, in this age we battle. In this age, we cling to the age to come, but we understand that we're not there yet. Let's talk about what it says. You could turn, please, to Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Grace and peace to you, Galatians 1, 3 through 5. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue. Anyone say amen to that? He gave himself for our sins to rescue us. From what? What does it say? Go ahead. You can say it out loud. It's in church. We can talk in church. Yeah. He gave himself to rescue us from this present evil age. I have for you exhibit A. It's okay. You can applaud. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Someone's got it. Now I've got to take a minute and just kind of clip this up. See that? I had this banner made just for you. Here we have, it's dark. I asked my secretary to make it black because it's an evil age. And it's present. This is where we live. The cross, God sent Jesus in the midst of the present evil age. He entered into this broken world. So the cross is right there in the midst of the evil. He came to his very own, but his own did not receive him. Though the world was made through him, he was rejected by men. We know the story, don't we? Also, we know that one day, with the trumpet blast of the archangel, The Lord himself will come down. The dead in Christ will raise first, triumphant, honored above even those who are living. 
And they'll be the first to to rush out of the city to usher in the great king. And then we too are left alive. We'll also be made new. And we will be like him. And we will welcome in this victorious king. There will be a trumpet blast. And it will end. That's the thing about this world. There was a beginning and there will be an end. The present evil age. Let's talk about kind of the hallmarks of this age for a moment. We'll find some of those hallmarks in Ephesians chapter 2. You'll need to turn to that because this requires participation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and through 3. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world here and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, the sinful nature, how are you going to call that? Following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. This, this is just a beautiful portrayal of the characteristics of this present evil age. Just bullet point some of these for me. What are some of the characteristics? Just use the words in this verse. You don't have to make up any new words. They're all right here for us. Give me some of the words that describe this present evil age in this this section I gave you. Go ahead, just throw your hand up and shout it out. I will call on you if no one else volunteers. What's that? Thank you. Sin and transgression. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, court. Death. Yeah. How about that? Death. I mean, death is just... I was, just came back from Hope College in Africa, the, the small Bible college that we as churches support and run in Zambia. I mean, the death that surrounds um, people in Zambia, it's just... I think the average age of a Zambian is like 40 years old. That's the median age. And even while you're, you're teaching class, within one week, there's... 20 students there, somebody's close relative dies. It's just every time I go, it happens. It's like death is everywhere. Now here in the States, we've sanitized it a bit. We, we, it's different, right, and medical and all this kind of... But death is still a reality of this world. We face it. And as Christians, we can't deny it. There will be a day when death is defeated, but it's still a part of this present evil age. What else is in there? Yeah, Tommy. Passions of the flesh. Oh, that sounds passionate and fleshly. Passions of the flesh. I mean, while we are in Christ, we are still encased in a body, a human body that was born in the image of our father Adam. And in Adam all have died, and in Christ all have come alive again. And yet... The issue of the presence of sin is very, very much a part of this present evil age. Now, in the age to come, we will see that there will no longer even be the presence of sin. But in this world, there still is the presence of sin. Now, in Christ, we're no longer imprisoned, captive to that sin. We can have victory over sin. Say that in your head. Maybe at some point you've got to say that out loud today. Through Christ, I can have victory over my sin. You are not imprisoned to your sin 
until you die. What's that area in which you struggle? In Christ, we have the victory. You are not chained to that sin. Anyways, I won't go into the whole message on sanctification. But in Christ, we are freed from sin, but we still live in the presence of it in this present evil age. Thank you. Good one. What else? Disobedience. Thank you very much. Disobedience. Can I get a witness? Mom and dad. Yeah. Can I get a witness? Husband and wife. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Disobedience is rampant in this present evil age. I mean, disobedience, it, 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 it's bringing out a bigger issue itself. I choose me. You've asked me to do something? Hmm. Let me think about that. No, I choose me. It's, I mean, it's everywhere. It's on the roads. It's in your home. It's in your heart. It's in your school. It's in your workplace. Disobedience. Okay. Ultimately, he's talking about disobedience to the Lord. Because the kingdom of God is about the lordship, the rule and reign of Christ. And the disobedience he's ultimately talking about is people just choose to disobey the king. I choose me. Okay, what else is in there? Do we get most of them? I mean, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, are you too afraid to talk about the devil in church? I mean, this present evil age, I mean, while the devil's been given a blow, he's not, he's not more powerful than Christ. He's not in control. He still does wreak havoc in people's lives. It's a reality of this present evil age. All right. So how many people think this is really a fun place to live? Ooh, it's like a vacation hotspot, right? It's not. That's why, that's why when we talk about outside of Christ, there's no hope. It's because the, present, the, the characteristics of this present evil age are hopeless. I mean, there is still this residue of God's creation, His common grace. There is still the image and likeness of God in fallen man. I mean, there is still good here. However, that good has been completely pummeled by the sin and destruction of this present evil age. And the only real hope here is not the good that's left in humanity. It's the good that Christ brings. It's the redemption, the rescue, the salvation, and the forgiveness that we have in Christ. So let's talk about another place. You really didn't applaud very well in that last one. I'm going to give you a second chance. This one's a better one to applaud for, though. Go ahead. It's better. You guys, you know, you're, you're, you're great, but sometimes you're kind of slow starters. It's all right to start, like, out of the blocks really fast. Yeah, there we go. The age to come. That's kind of wrinkly age. Not sure why it's wrinkly like that. It's getting worse. The age to come. These are the two things that Jesus said when it came to sacrifice and when it came to the inheritance and the power that Paul talked about in Ephesians. That it's both in this age and the age to come. These are the two ages of the kingdom. I want to talk about just a second about the age to come. We all understand the age to come, we refer to that as heaven, pearly gates, streets of gold, angels, wings, harps, clouds, right? This is the, this is the stereotype or the cliche of heaven. I mean, those things aren't really 
They don't really compute when it comes to the Bible. The Bible speaks of a place where the lordship of Christ is fully and completely not only acknowledged but obeyed. That where God's power makes all things right. I mean, Revelation says there won't even be a son because Jesus, the glory of Christ, will brighten everything. Talks about not only us fully knowing, but being fully known. About us being in perfect communion with God. About sickness and death and all those things passing away. And all that is left is the glory of the King. The age to come will be the age to be in. Now that's where you want to put your vacation home. David talks about in the Psalms, eternal pleasures forevermore. There is such a eschatological hope in Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. They talk about this day, the day of the Lord, when He'll make all things right. And those things are are pronounced the loudest when God's people are in the most peril. But this hope is ever-present in their hearts. When Jesus came and he began pronouncing, the kingdom of God is here, something incredible happened in this place. I mean, let's just retrace a little bit what happened. We won't go all the prophetic utterances pointing to Christ. But when the angel announced to Mary, the baby was coming. She's like, how could this be, right? I'm still a virgin. I can't have a baby. The angel said, yeah. The Spirit of the Most High will overshadow you. And you will conceive. Such an important theological point that Jesus did not have a biological earthly father. That the biology of Jesus, his, his heritage, didn't come from this place. It came from here. And so when Jesus came preaching the good news, proclaiming hope, reaching out his hand and healing the sick, and speaking to that which was evil and, and deceptive and manipulative, when he came forgiving sins, he didn't do it from this place. He was coming from a different place. That's why when Pilate says, so are you a king or are you not a king? And Jesus says, man, for that very reason I was born. Don't worry, Pilate. My kingdom is not from this world. It's from another place. Here's, here's, Jesus came from another We get that. Okay, good. Jesus came from heaven and he invaded earth, the incarnation, the miracle, the power, all the rest. We see in scripture, however, that this kingdom which Christ inaugurated, he handed over. He, he, he empowered his people to participate in. Just follow me on this a little bit. Mark 10, Jesus comes out of the water. He saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. A manifestation of the age to come in this present evil age is the spirit. When Jesus got baptized... The heavens opened and the Spirit came upon him. Pentecost was such a big deal. 
Because at Pentecost, it says in Acts 2, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from where? (coughs) Came from heaven. And it filled the whole house that they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Pentecost shook the house, shook the world, and shook Christendom, well, the beginning of Christendom, because heaven itself was being poured out into this present evil age, not just on Jesus, but on believers. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus taught them to pray. And suddenly, in that place, the Spirit was poured out. And this age invaded this one. I've got them nicely separated. But man, this age here went like, I am here now. And suddenly the possibilities of this age are no longer the same. What was impossible here is now possible. What used to be that this present evil age had its own qualities and we were subject to them at the coming of the Spirit, the qualities and characteristics of this place are now possible here. It's a game changer. It changes everything. I mean, what are the characteristics of the age to come? What are they? I mean, you look at Jesus. He was the embodiment of the age to come. It wasn't judgmentalism, and there wasn't all this fire and brimstone. It was incredible. The heart of God represented in Christ. It's compassionate. Loving, sacrificial, liberating, unlocking, empowering. I mean, he took the broken of the broken and he lifted them up. He took the foolish things of the earth and he used them to confound the wise. And even the wise found their way in once they humbled themselves. I mean, you look at what happened when the Spirit came. What was the empowering nature of of the Spirit when it came at Pentecost. Well, you see things like prophecy and healing. I mean, prophecy never originated from the minds of men, right? Prophecy originates from God. Prophecy comes from here when it's true. So we're not to despise the prophetic. We're to embrace and to love the prophetic in its truest form because it comes from this place. It's the heart of God to His people. It's God's word to you now to repent and align yourself with Christ and walk in faith. That's why healing is possible here. Not for happy thoughts and medical expertise while those things are fine. Healing comes from this place. Peter and John walking into the temple. The crippled man was there going through what he normally did because he was crippled begging for money. And they're like, look at me. Man, I don't have any money. But in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk my man. And he was next seen running and jumping and leaping and praising God because he had encountered the kingdom. He had encountered the age to come. I mean, think about the way we live our lives. Does your life best represent this or this? 
I think all too often we just default into this. That's what, that's what life on this earth is like. That's all there is. And the, 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 the declaring message of, of Jesus in the New Testament is that, no, the age to come is here now. The future is here. Welcome to the future. You don't even need a flux capacitor. I mean, as we approach things in our marriages, as we approach things in the world, as we approach our witness, I mean, it's so easy. We get all contorted. I've got to find a way in this system to make Jesus known and glorified and great. And just like, forget it. I got my own system. I got my own ways. Walk in faith. Walk in faith. Walk in the Spirit. And this is, how do we experience the powers of the age to come here? How do we experience them? It's very simple. It's by faith. We believe. We believe that Christ has come and His Spirit's been poured out. I mean, when Peter walked on the water, he didn't do that with the powers of this age. Right? Who walks on water? I'm guessing people over here walk on water. (laughs) Because they don't do it over here. And why did he do it? He's like, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come. And just like, come on out, the water's fine. And he took steps by faith. And it wasn't say he saw the wind and the wave and the storm and the, and he put it, took his eyes off Jesus, right? This is the Bible story. This is the, they're probably teaching that downstairs at this very moment. Maybe not. And he, he saw the problems of this world and what happened to him. Blah, 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 blah. It's faith. That's why Jesus, when he, he says, yeah, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people that are simply just immersed in this? Or will he find believers, followers? Will he find kingdom people who know what it's like to live with the powers of the age to come? You know that like terrifying quickening feeling inside of you when the Holy Spirit is telling you to, to, to share your love for Christ or to pray for somebody who's sick or maybe to speak the word of the Lord to someone that you know is right from heaven. You know what that is? That's these two places colliding in your soul. And you're battling. Am I here or am I here? And she said, no, the kingdom is now. The kingdom has come. Speak in faith. Walk in faith. Be here. It's the last time I have to use these. I can beat them up all day. Do you see it? I mean, even even the effects of the Spirit, which is a deposit, right? It's a deposit from that place. The Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance, Ephesians 1 says. It's guaranteeing this. Spirit's in us. We're all like, yeah, I got spirit. Yes, I do. I got spirit. How about you? Right? We all say, yeah, I got the spirit. Do you? Well, if you do, it is a guarantee. It is a deposit of this place that needs to get worked out here. Spiritual people living in this present evil age. It's radical. This is the kingdom. And so it's not just our witness, or it's not just our religious talk, but every area of our life is suddenly affected by the age to come. Because we're not just Christian parents, we're parents of an age to come. I'm not just a Christian teacher, 
No, I teach things that I know that are beyond this place. I'm not just a, a Christian friend. No, my friendship is, is, is dripping in covenant because I know, I know what covenant love comes from. Jesus did not love his life. He laid it down for his friends. Every part of my life is somehow seeped now in the kingdom because I don't want any part of my life to reflect this. I really don't. I don't want my sense of humor, my, my, my preferences in media. I don't want any part of my life reflecting this place. I'm a kingdom man. I have the deposit of the age to come in me. I want my life to reflect this place. In my purity, in my faith, in my joy. That's what I want my life to reflect. Never go through a day like, man, I'm just like, I'm just full of the dust of this earth. No wonder, Paul said in Colossians 3, do not set your eyes on things below. Set your eyes on things above. Where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. I think that paragraph ends, when then, when he appears, who is your hope, you too will appear with him in glory. Thank you, Lord. I want to be with Christ in glory, then and now. This is the kingdom. All right, let me tie it up. I mean, the results of the Spirit, we could do a series now, starting now, ending in Christmas, for the fruit of the Spirit. The results of the deposit of the age to come, which is the Spirit in us. What's the results of that? Man, it's love, it's peace, it's patience, forbearance. That's a bigger word. It's a little more, less common, so it seems more impressive. Willing to put up with junk without giving up. Hello. Willing to put up with the junk of this place without giving up. I know a lot of people that just put up with the junk of this place, and they just give up. It doesn't work. I'm doing my thing. I did it for like three weeks now. Nothing's changing. Well, that's, that's not a result. That's not a, that's not a fruit of this place. This place says, no, I don't give up. I don't give in. I believe in, in more. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are, these are the results of this. That's what this place looks like. Kindness. Kindness. A genuinely kind person, you're like, man, that person just kind. Kind is such a common word, and yet kindness is so uncommon here. I want to I want to end with this because I okay, got two more scriptures. Two more scriptures. The first one's in Romans eight. Romans 8, verse 14. Well, I mean, I'll start at 12 because it kind of sets the tone. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature. It's not to the flesh to live according to it. That's here, right? We don't have an obligation to this place to live according to the sinful nature. We don't have an obligation to live according to the flesh. Verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature of the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
The last bit I want to talk to you about, the quality of the kingdom, is sonship. Sonship. I mean, sonship has so many parts to it. I mean, when, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he's like, you know what? You lie, lie, you liars. He's trying to make the point, you lie. And you know what? When you talk, you know who you sound like? You sound like your father, the devil, the father of lies. And he's just beating them up publicly. Like, dang, Jesus, you just spanked the Pharisees in front of all those people. Yeah, he called them liars. You're liars. You come from this place. You're like your father, the devil. He lies all the time. He's the father of lies. But Jesus, but you know what? Put the, put the death the misdeeds of the flesh. And if, in fact, you are a spiritual man, a spiritual woman, you are led and in step with this place. And the Spirit says you have a father. And his name is Yahweh. His name is the Almighty. His name is the King of Kings, the Ancient of Days. And that you're just like your father. As a matter of fact, the spirit inside of you, you might find in your flesh, in your mind, in your humanity, you have a hard time connecting with God sometimes. Okay, but you know what? The spirit himself cries out, I'm a father. I belong here. Not here. Sons of the kingdom. Sons of the king. And a son is not a hired hand. He's not like a temporary worker. His is the kingdom. He belongs to it and it belongs to him. He can't change his name. He can't change his biology. He is a son. And the Spirit brings sonship and belonging. I mean, this is in the context of all of our failures and all of our humanity and of all of our breakdowns and the shame that wants to cover us and all the brokenness that we find here. The Spirit-filled man is a son of that place. It has to do with identity. It doesn't go away when you screw up. And you know what? A son always has his chin up. And if, if, if one of your sons has their chin down, you go to that son and you're like, son, I want to see those eyes. Put your face to mine. I still love you. You're still mine. He blew it. But you're my son. And I never give up on you. This is the spirit of sonship. I mean, I think too often we got our hands raised in worship but our faces to the dust. With our faces down, it's a place of shame. And my face is to my father's face. Your face to mine, my man. I mean, we don't do that as much when our kids get older. I don't want to embarrass my son. But is there a baby in the house? I mean, any fathers take their babies? There you go. And put that baby up to your face. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're rubbing noses and snots getting all over. You're like, I don't care. I love you, baby. I'm your daddy. Sonship. Sonship changes everything. Anyways. Am I done now, Johnny? I'm done, right? I know you told me to go strong as long as I could, but I should probably let these people go eventually. All right. All right. I'm not going to read Hebrews 6, 19, even though it talks about our, our, our hope, which is an anchor to our soul. Our souls, our hope is anchored there, not here. Our hope is never here. Our hope is always here. It's an anchor. Hell's breaking loose over here, but it's okay. Because my soul, my hope is anchored in the age to come. Well, I guess I just did read it.
1 Timothy 6, last scripture. We're going to close it up here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. Now, I hope that as I painted this, you can, well, when you start reading the scriptures, the, the, the epistles, and they're all talking about flee from this, cling to this. Flee from this, cling to this. You don't belong here, you belong here. Kingdom people operate here, but live there. Okay? When you start reading, you're just going to see it everywhere now. There's two ages. How do we relate to this age? Yeah, we relate to it through that. All right, so the same is happening with Paul to Timothy here. Um, 6, verse 11. But you, man of God, identity, saying you belong here, your father is here. You, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Listen to this. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession, the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God who gives life to everything. Can you just see the age to come pouring into Timothy's heart right here? Paul's speaking this faith to him. He's like, I want you to have this. Take hold of the eternal life. You made the good confession. God gives life to everything in Christ Jesus who who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you, keep this commandment without spot or blame until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in its own time. And God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in an unapproachable light, whom no one can see, to him be honor and might forever. Paul's like, Timothy, man of God, man of God, take hold of this. And it's not some weird mystical thing. It's like, Timothy, take hold of it. Grab on. Let this be your life. Flee from all that junk. Man of the kingdom. Root yourself in the age to come because it's here by the Spirit. Through faith, it's yours. Then he goes to talk about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and how he lives in unapproachable light and the greatness and just the, the overpowering glory of the King. He says, he is your King. This is, this is who you take hold of. Let him be expressed in your life. It's powerful. Is he expressed in your life? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We love you. God, your word is precious to us. Help us understand, God, that, Lord, while we are here now, your kingdom has come, but it's not here in its fullness. And so guard us from the frustrations of such and the disappointments. And yet, God, help us to walk in faith, believing, God, that the eternal life has come. God, that we're not just trapped to the rules and and regulations and systems of this world, but God, we are gripped by the realities of another place. And God, I pray that you'd help us get victory and that we would honor you as good soldiers, as sons of the kingdom. I pray this in your name. Amen.